are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pursuit Cast. Uh, and today we have a, another very special guest, uh, a man after God's heart. He was recently here in the East Coast uh, just ministering, and now we have the pleasure of having him uh, on our podcast via Skype. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to everybody Pastor Will Chung. Hey, Pastor Will, how are you? I'm going on, man. I'm doing well. Doing well. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us and just come and just share uh, with all those who are listening. Yeah, man, it's my, it's my blessing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh, being with us. And just to start off, to just be uh, help out all the people who are listening, if you could just share um, who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is William. Uh, I'm uh, currently actually the youth pastor here in SoCal, in Southern California. I'm the junior high and high school pastor. So we have both the ministries together and I'm ministering here in SoCal. I am married to my wife. We actually just recently got married uh, this past April. And uh, yeah, I graduated from Calvin uh, with my MDiv. And I just recently enrolled uh, at DTS uh, for my DMIN program about this past semester. Can you just share, I guess, a little bit about your story in terms of how mm. God called you into ministry? Yeah. Um, so I was actually born and raised in Korea. I was born and raised until I was 15, but I grew up in the U.S. Army base in Seoul, which is like Yongtan, if people, probably if anyone knows um, Korea. And when I was 15, I was actually deported from Korea for selling drugs. And I moved to uh, Illinois or Champaign-Urbana when my, my older brother was going to college. So I moved in with my brother. And I didn't grow up in church per se. Uh, my dad was culturally Christian. My mom, my mom went to church here and there with my father, but she vocally, you know, she she wasn't a Christian. But my dad was a cultural Christian. So when I moved to the states, um, I started going to church. And actually, February 18, 2006, uh, when I was a junior in high school, I actually had an encounter with Jesus at a revival. And um, I just radically saved. The Holy Spirit came. Uh, I just received the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, God just God just changed me overnight. Mm. And I actually I don't know how it happened, but when I was eighteen, I became a youth pastor in SoCal. So after I graduated high school, I actually applied to Trinity University in Illinois, Deerfield, to go to Bible school. But my freshman year in the summer, I transferred to Biola University so I could uh, start youth pastoring here in SoCal. And um, yeah, so that's kind of you know, kind of how I started ministry and how I got saved. That's cool. And congrats. It's been, uh, I guess, 10 years, over 10 years now yeah. since that encounter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is super yeah, faithful. Yeah, I guess if you could just share, I guess since you've been um, serving and working with the youth for so long, uh, what has helped you most in, in being a youth pastor? What has helped me most in being a youth pastor? Uh, I think more than anything, what's kept me alive is just my love for God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, 
being saved at 16 and going into ministry at 18, I didn't know what I was doing. And in many ways, I still don't know what I'm doing. But what's kept me alive is purely and simply my, my love for God. And I come to know whenever my love for God goes dry, everything else goes dry. Mm. And when my, my passion and soul de- devotion just to love God and serve God, um, as long as that's intact, everything kind of just overflows and things go well. But... I guess another thing is in youth ministry, I just love the kids, you know? I think one of the things that's always been kind of on my side was because since I was so young and inexperienced, but in some ways an advantage was because I was so close to their age, I was able to connect with them, I was able to interact with them on a personal way, maybe some older youth pastors couldn't. Because some of my kids, actually, when I became a youth pastor, they were like the same age as me. I became a youth pastor when I was 18, so some of the seniors were the same age as me, and they didn't know how to treat me. But just loving them and just being with them, being like them, and showing them love, God's love, uh, it's pretty much just what kept me alive this whole time, dude. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Amen. I guess since you're talking Uh, about, you know, stirring up your love for God, I guess what are some of the ways mm -hmm. you do that when you find yourself um, you know, your heart getting dry or cold or, or whatnot, and, and you just dive mm. back in, you know, what are some of the things that have helped you in that? Well, I think in the recent years, I think when I first became a youth pastor, I was so zealous and ambitious. I used to try to rekindle my love for God by like fasting and, and praying hours upon upon hours and, and, and God honored that. And I still, I still do that, but I think, in the recent years, just knowing who I am, being secure in who I am, knowing what my strengths are, knowing what my weaknesses are. In many ways, I've learned how to manage my soul and manage my heart in a way where um, I, I'm secure in who I am. And, and I think that's been really critical and huge for me in the recent years because as a young youth pastor, I used to get insecure because I felt like, oh, I can't preach as well as this person. I'm not as smart as this person. You know, I don't pray as long as that person. Oh, I should fast, you know, 40 days. I should fast seven seven days so that I could get the anointing. And those are all true in some sense. But I guess in the past two years, what's really helped me was I realized I'm the most anointed when I'm when I'm in myself. Mm, when I just try to be myself and and when I'm just secure in who I am and who I am in Christ, um, I I find a lot of um, strength in, in ministry in that way. But of course, the essence of everything is. Spending time with the Lord, man. Like every morning when I wake up, I spend an hour or two just reading the Word, praying, searching my heart. I think searching my heart has been huge, like knowing my motives, repenting of my sinfulness, surrendering not just the bad things, but even the good things are disguised with ambition. And just being, being more aware of my motives and being more aware of my heart has been really helpful for me to keep my love for God alive and vibrant. Mm, that's good. I mean, I th- I think I could definitely relate with what you're saying as a young leader myself. Yeah. Uh, just especially the yeah. comparison trap. Um, yeah, man. And and just and I feel like one of the ways that have helped me personally is is those people that I'm tempted to compare myself or judge um, to just come under and serve them instead. Uh, that has really helped mm-hmm. me to just take on, you know, God's perspective on them as a son or a daughter, and to just serve them to come under them and to bless them and lift them up 
it has really helped me overcome yeah. comparison as well. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I guess to transition with that a little bit, um, you know, what, what is, what do you know now that you wish you knew, you know, when you first started youth pastoring at the age of 18? Uh, uh, <laughs> there's a price you need to pay. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know that there was a price to pay to be a servant of God because I think in the beginning, like three years of ministry, the anointing on my life was so strong. Not, not that I was anointed, but there was such a grace on me where I was so in love and so fired up and so pure in my motives that everything was so easy. Like I preached and God moved. I led and people followed. Um, people were getting saved. People were receiving the Holy Spirit. People were getting on fire. And I think maybe, uh, I want to say maybe when I was 20, 21, I, I, I was pretty depressed because I felt the Lord, not that he removed the anointing, but he put me into a new season where I really had to walk faith now. And mm. he was really developing my character and my trust and really asking me why I am doing ministry. And I think one thing that I didn't know was that there was such a high price to pay to be a servant of God. I didn't know that I was going to go through so much suffering uh, so much fears. Um, I didn't know it was going to be so tough to be a minister because I thought to be a minister was just to speak, you know, just talk, talk about Jesus. But I didn't know there'd be heartache, there'll be betrayal, there'll be misunderstanding, there'll be times that we fail, there'll be times that we fall. And the price, the price of being a faithful servant is something I did not expect that I would, I would go through when I first went into ministry. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think yeah. that's the thing with, with people. It's, it's easy to dream. It's easy to, you know, have faith when, when there isn't a test, but um, it's yeah, entirely yeah. different when, when you're in the middle of it and, and God is leading you through and, and like you're saying, paying the price. Yeah, man. You know, in, in those seasons of suffering, in those seasons of paying the price, um, you know, what, what helps anchor you through those type, types of times and seasons? Uh, knowing, knowing why I'm in ministry. Because I kind of we talked about comparison, but not only that, but like in the age of social media and given the millennial generation, we, we want immediate results. Uh, we expect things to happen instantly. So we don't know how to sow into um, patience or we don't know how to sow into God's kingdom in a way where we don't demand things, but we just do it because we love him. We do it because we purely just want to serve him. And I think what's really helpful to me in those times is um, just just trusting in the Lord and, and everything I do and, and, and just surrendering all, all my, my desires and, and surrendering all the things that I thought was for him, but it was for me. And those things kind of helped me in that way. Yeah, for sure. I think like you're saying, you know, with the social media, we, we could easily see, you know, what seems like the highlights of what God is doing. But, you know, we weren't there through the price that they had to pay, you know, mm -hmm, and the process mm -hmm. and the years or the decades that was behind the scenes of them just pressing in and persevering and moving in faith. And, and, and we only see the result and, and we compare our our process to their result and not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, man. As a leader, um, 
you know, what do you believe is the most important quality uh, of a leader or a pastor, what, whether they're in ministry or, or a lay leader themselves? Uh, what's, mm. what's, a, what's a quality you look to um, as a defining mark of, of leadership? I think it's character. Because, um, I mean, I think when we're gifted, people come to us, but it's when we have character that people follow us. That's good. And I think for myself, again, in the beginning years of ministry, I was so drawn to anointed speakers, people walking in signs and wonders, people who had um, really, you know, showy gifts. They were evangelists, so they were, uh, they, they carry such a strong anointing. And, and the anointing for me is still very important. And I think without it, we can't do ministry, but I guess having become a youth pastor at 18 and being in ministry now eight years, I've seen so many anointed ministers fall. I've seen them fall into sexual morality. I've seen them fall uh, with financial, uh, fall financially. I've seen their, and not only that, I, I meet these anointed ministers that I admire from a distance. And once I get to know them personally, I, I notice that their character is behind their gifts. Mm. And I think for the follower of Christ, God's going to, God's going to keep us accountable for our character for who we were when nobody was watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, I think this generation, everybody wants to go higher, but nobody wants to go deeper. Mm. And I think for the leader, it's all about depth. Because I think the deeper we go with the Lord, the higher He'll take us in ministry. But when I, I think a, a, a leader, especially in this generation where things are moving so fast, um, people could blow up with one video. People could get yeah. so much attention from one YouTube clip. But if their character is not rooted in Christ, if the humility and the character of Christ is not the, the utmost important quality or the most, mo- utmost important value of a leader, I think it's just a matter of time before the pressure crumbles us. So I think for me personally, I'm, I'm drawn much more now to godly people as I am to anointed people, even though I think they're both and, right? I think people yeah. who have character will be anointed. But I also understand the anointing is a gift. God gives mm. the anointing for his purpose. But it's men and women of God of character who are able to sustain the move of God. And even for myself, after having gotten married, having a wife, I really realize it's all about character. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> she, don't, she don't care how anointed I am, bro. <laughs> so yeah, she cares. True. All she cares about is how consistent I am, how loving I am, how patient I am, how caring I am, how consistent I am. And I think the character of a leader is the most important thing for any pastor or Christian leader. Amen. I mean, I feel like, you know, back to just the social media and comparison, Mm. um, I mean, it's so easy to be one person on stage or behind the the pulpit or, or whatever, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And like you're saying, like when it comes down to it, it's, it's the people who are closest to you, you know, That's that, right. could, that That's could tell who you really are and not, you know, how many followers you have or what type of influence you have on, on those type of platforms. But, you know, in the very, you know, intimate places of home and, mm-hmm. and friendships and stuff like that. Yeah, dude. As a leader, um, with character, what are some of the non-negotiables that you keep in your life to keep uh, working on your character and to keep walking in integrity and, and in the light with the Lord? Mm. I have, I think, 
two non-negotiables is number one is my personal relationship with the Lord. And number two is accountability with a group of brothers. Mm. And for me, the number one, again, in light of character is, is my relationship and my personal secret walk with the Lord. And for me, if I'm not walking with the Lord, if I'm not praying, if I'm not seeking his face, if I'm not reading the word of God, if I'm not growing, I can't lead people to God. And, you know, I'm sure we've always heard this phrase, you, can, you can't take people where you've never been and you can't give what you don't have. That's good. So for me, it's, it's really, leadership and ministry is all about just the overflow of who you are. And I remember, I forget hearing someone said, the anointing is caught, it's not taught. Mm. And if I'm walking with the Lord, if I'm reading the word of God, if I'm growing in my knowledge, if I'm growing in my intimacy with the Lord, if I'm growing in my leadership, then by default, the people who are following me and my, and my students and my staff, they're going to rub off of that because um, as the leader, everything flows from top down. So for me, the non-negotiable is my one-on-one time with the Lord every morning, seeking Him in prayer, in worship, <clears throat> in the Word of God. Another thing is I'm always growing. Like I have a conviction that leaders should be hungry to learn from anybody and from everybody. And for me, I'm always reading, I'm listening to podcasts, probably one or two a day while I'm working out. Um, but it's just constantly growing in the Lord privately and personally in the secret place, uh, growing in my knowledge and learning from others. But <clears throat> number two is accountability. I actually have a prayer group. I meet, I'm meeting them tomorrow on every Wednesday at 8 a.m. I meet with eight other brothers, eight other pastors. And I've actually started this group in 2008. And we've been meeting every week since 2008. And it's just eight guys. We gather every morning. We, we actually have this uh, commitment. Well, the group, we just call it Brothers. And it's about community, commitment, confession. Mm. And we confess all our sins to each other. If someone's struggling with lust, we confess that sin. If someone has fallen in any, in, in any sin that they used to struggle with, we confess that sin. And we encourage each other. We pray over each other. And we pray together. And for me... Uh, having a group of brothers, uh, men of God, pastors, and other leaders to keep me accountable, I can keep them accountable, has been a non-negotiable for me. Mm, that's good. I think, like you're saying, just how important um, accountability and community is. And, and I feel yeah. like for so long, for me personally, you know, I viewed accountability kind of like, you know, like a parole officer, you know, um, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. making sure I'm in line. But, but what I've come to see is it's, you know, something like that you're doing with your group. It's, it's like committing to one another's destiny, you know, holding them mm-hmm. accountable, mm-hmm. not to actions or behaviors, but to their destiny and who God had, has called and created them to be, um, whether it's their calling or just mm-hmm. the whole character aspect, you know, that, that these sins are below who God has created you to be. And, and that has kind of helped me. Yeah. Uh, reframe accountability from parole officer to, you know, partners of destiny and calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As someone who is um, committed to, you know, their own personal growth, um, are there any books or podcasts that you would recommend to our listeners outside of, you know, of course, this one? (laughs) Oh, I listen to, 
Well, podcast-wise, I only listen to leadership podcasts, and the ones I listen to are like, I don't know if you guys know, like Kerry Newhoff's leadership podcast. I listen to Andy Stanley's leadership podcast. Mm -hmm. There's a recent one that came out a few months ago called Church Leaders Podcast. Um, I listen to Perry Noble's leadership podcast, um, Dave Ramsey's podcast. Mm -hmm. all, those are the ones that are on top of my mind. Because usually when I podcast, I only listen to uh, specifically leadership development podcasts. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones I listen to regarding leadership and podcasts. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. What about some books that you've read, I guess, within the last year? Any any that you that just jump out and, and you would highly recommend? Dude, there's so many, man. <laughs> I can't. Regarding leadership or regarding... Or just anything. Anything that has helped you personally, whether it's leadership or faith or... You know, family, community, anything. Yeah. Did I read? I'm trying to think of a good one that I read recently. Um, let me see. What's a really recent good book that I read? I, I don't know if you guys... I recently reread Overcoming Witchcraft by Rick Joyner. I don't know if you ever oh. read that book. No, I haven't. It's, uh, it's, it's a really good book for leaders. It's all about spiritual authority and... Mm. Uh, how authority has to come from God, but people use manipulation mm. and emotionalism to gain authority, which is the spirit of witchcraft. Yeah, uh, I, ju I just recently reread that for the third time. Mm. Um, there's a book called Experiencing the Spirit by Robert Heidler, and that's a really good book about the personal works of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, okay, dude, I'm trying to think of... Uh, yeah, that's... Um, I can't really think of anything right now on top yeah. of my mind. Well, those are some good yeah. starters. Rick Joyner, obviously, you know, big in the prophetic circles. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, so those who are listening, check those things out. Um, and to transition a little bit here as we as we wrap up our time, um, at Pursuit, our, our vision is revival or bust. That's our vision statement. And we're just wanting <laughs> to see revival and nothing less. We won't settle for mm. good spiritual experiences. We won't settle for you know, spiritual highs. We won't settle for events, programs. But we just want the full-out revival um, that God wants mm. to bring, um, especially in our region and throughout this nation. Um, as a leader, mm. as someone who you know carries the fire of God um, yourself, how would you define revival? Define revival. Um Automatically, my, my mind goes to the book of Acts. Mm. And, and also, I, I guess I go back to like the Old Testament uh, with like Nehemiah or with Jonah. But I think the first thing is revival begins when God's people turn from their sin, from their wicked ways, and they fix their eyes on Jesus. Because I think every move of God starts with God's people first. And I'm sure you guys heard this. The only reason why the world is dark is because the church is dark. Mm. And if the church is supposed to be the light of the world, if we shine that light that we're called to shine, then the world will come to know who Jesus is. And I've always understood a move of God always began with God uh, raising up and saving and, and, and awakening the hearts of his people first. 
And I think once God awakens the heart or he begins to share his heart like he shared to Moses or he shared to Nehemiah or he shared to even Jonah or how Jesus shared it with the apostles or even Isaiah, here I am, send me. Once a leader or a remnant or a chosen people are able to experience the heart of God, I think they begin to really cry out for the church, but also they have the boldness and faith to reach out to the lost. I've come to learn a lot of churches in isolation or domination. They isolate themselves from the world or they try to dominate the world. But incarnation is when believers are able to minister to the non-believing world. Wow. And we're able to preach the gospel and get non-believers to know who Jesus is. And personally for me, uh, there's so many things I can say. Like before when I was uh, starting the ministry, I was, a, I was much more of an itinerant preacher where I love guest speaking and doing outreach events, preaching at retreats and revivals. And those are beautiful, and my heart still burns for that. For example, um, I'm, I speak at public high schools and public junior high schools and even public college campuses pretty regularly, and we do outreach events there. And I feel such a grace when I preach at those events. I see more people getting saved, more people encountering God outside the walls of the church, oftentimes and inside the walls of the church. So I do believe ministers and believers need to have a heart and pray for God to open doors for them to speak at outside Christian religious events. And I think it begins from that. But also, it's when the people of God, not just, not just preachers, not just evangelists and missionaries, but when the church, the, 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 the Christian that's sitting in the congregation takes their faith seriously, and they're able to carry their faith to wherever they're at. Like, for example, again, I'm a youth pastor, and so many of my students have started Christian clubs at their schools. It didn't exist there before, and they started it themselves, or if they did start it, they joined the Christian club at their schools, and they began to pray and cry out. Uh, I will go preach on their public campus during lunchtime. And I think um, when, the, when the believers start taking their faith, faith seriously, and they start reaching out to people. And I forget who said this, but um, uh, someone said, if you want to know the climate of a church, put, the th put a thermometer in the pastor's mouth. Mm. If you want to know the climate of the church, put the thermometer in the pastor's mouth. And I think if a pastor or the leaders are consumed with one thing, which is, which is to see lost people find Jesus and sound people become equipped and empowered to serve Jesus, yeah. I think that's the beginning of a revival. And, and more recently, I've been growing a bigger heart for the church. Because I'm seeing uh, this, I, I mean, I think Jesus' plan was a church. He established the church. And I know there's a church, the universal church, where it's outside the walls, but I also think of the local church. If the local church can believe that they are in their city for a reason, that God has established them there for a purpose, and again, we don't live in isolation, but we live in incarnation. That's and where so we're good. able to really take our faith to the people and bring them to church. But more than that, we have a burden to share our faith wherever we are and, and wherever we go. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's powerful. Um, as you're yeah. saying, just the whole incarnation piece and just, you know, mod, you know, living out what Jesus modeled. I mean, he is the incarnation. Yeah. He came, he lived among people, he he loved them. He served them. He he preached to them. He healed the sick. He just loved on them and, and just pointed everybody to the Father. So, just following yeah. his steps, pretty much. 
Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Will, for hanging out with us, yeah. sharing your heart, uh, sharing your wisdom, and just sharing um, you know, how you yourself are growing in the Lord. Thank you so much. Mm. Thank you, brother. Yeah. How can people find out more about you and your ministry? Uh, I have a I have a blog. You can just find me at willkchong.com. Um, my church's ministry website is tkcyouthgroup.com. And if you go there, you'll be able to find everything else you need. Great. And for those of you who are listening, uh, we'll have all the links posted with this uh, with this podcast as well. So once again, thank everybody for tuning in and check us out um, on the next podcast. Until then, we love you. God bless. Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www that pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.